Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are so, so, so happy to be joined by Renee Powers of Feminist Book Club, the podcast, the business, the subscription box, all of it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having well, me. We're so excited to have you. We've already, like, we do this all the time. We just adopt people as friends. So you're, right. like, our friend. Perfect. And we're going to have uh, really fun hangout times where we complain about business stuff. Yeah. I <laughs> love this for all of us. <laughs> I love that uh, your podcast just fits perfectly with ours. And I'm like, why haven't we been hanging out before that's odd. that's more that's stranger to me than the this part <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true and this is this is a really fun thing because you're coming on our podcast and we're going to be on your podcast which I'm going to admit I'm a little nervous about because you yeah. feel a little bit more polished <laughs> than we oh, are. oh it's all a facade it's all fake <laughs> <laughs> fake it till you make it is my mantra yeah <laughs> And I love that it's our like twelve year veteran here saying she's nervous <laughs> and then <it's> less <laughs> polished. I still get nervous. <laughs> it's like I'm on a plane with turbulence. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you though, um, and I was telling Samantha this earlier that I started podcasting because of stuff Mom never told you. Like I started oh. listening back in like 2010. Is that right? Like. Yeah. Like even before Caroline came on, it was oh, it was wow. Kristen and Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and that's what inspired me to podcast. I remember like drive I I had a 35 minute commute out to my grad school program and mm -hmm. I would it was a straight shot and I would just queue up all the back episodes. <laughs> and I've been a fan ever since. So this feels really like I don't know, this is really fulfilling to me. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm almost like, I'm thinking back to 
Oh, my time. Because I was an editor at that point. I was the editor of the show. Uh, so that's so cool. It's like those connections you can make over technology and you don't realize. Yes. Like you've made them. The parasocial relationships have become real social relationships. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so odd, too, working in this business. Um, when you... <laughs> Like, as an editor, I would know such personal facts about people who have never spoken to me before. But I work with them. It was just such a strange thing where I was like, you probably don't even know my name, but I know when you, like, lost your virginity. (laughs) 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 Very bizarre. Well, okay. Uh, Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. So as you said, my name is Renee Powers. I use she, her pronouns. I am based in Minneapolis, Minnesota and Minneapolis proper, not one of the burbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so that's a big thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. I think that's a big deal right. for everyone. Like Elaine exactly. the same way. Exactly. Like we're not the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I am the founder of Feminist Book Club. We are a monthly book subscription service and media company. We use literature as a launch pad to have difficult conversations about social justice. And we've been doing this for just over five years now. This grew out of a failed dissertation. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm a, I call myself a PhD dropout. I, uh, I spent eight years in grad school, six years in a PhD program. And um, I was studying gender and communication and technology and got to the point where I I did all my coursework, I passed my exams, and then I went to propose my dissertation and I failed it three times. And I was like, "Ah, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like horrible on my mental health. So I was in Chicago. I My partner is from Minneapolis. We moved up here together. And I was like, well, I had this interview project as part of my dissertation. I'm just going to do it as a podcast. And like I said, stuff mom never told you got me into podcasting, like listening to podcasts and feminist podcasting, I think is such an interesting medium. And so thanks to y'all and what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Feminist Book Club started as a podcast. um, And my listeners would say, like, you're always giving, you know, book recommendations. Like, what if you had an actual book club? And it just grew organically from there. We started as just a bunch of friends in a Facebook group reading the same books. And now we have, you know, a thousand members around the world and our own platform and app. And we talk to authors and we have a, you know, bi-weekly podcast, bi-weekly as twice a week, not every other week, it's twice a week podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and daily blog, we're big on TikTok, we're big on Instagram. It's just rad as hell. So that's what we are and what I do. I just kind of guide the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it is quite the ship. You've got quite a large team. I was a little jealous mm-hmm. when I was looking at it. Right. <laughs> this is amazing. You get to work with these this many people. They're so cool, too. Every single one of our contributors and staff is just, like, the coolest people I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I am big on surrounding myself with people that are just much smarter than me. So we do have, we've got kind of our executive team of four of us. We've got our podcast producer. We've got our blog editor-in-chief. And then our captain of commerce is their title. And their name is Ra. And Ra and I work in Minneapolis together in an office space. 
And so we are the only two full-time employees, but everyone else is a contributor and, you know, doing two to four pieces of content every month and helping out on, you know, the community and creating all sorts of really cool conversations, just starting really interesting conversations of like things that they are interested in and therefore I am now interested in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah, our, our content really runs the gamut of a little bit of everything. We've got, you know, someone who works for the federal government. We've got uh, a former park ranger. We've got a science communication, like, professional. Like, feminism applies to everything. And we are able to use our our team of contributors to, to highlight that. We've got, a, like, a, a film writer. Like, It's just cool. It's just cool. Everybody is just, yeah, a romance author. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a great team. Yeah, that's awesome. And I do want to come back to the thing you said about being a feminist podcast in this this space in a second. But just first, I have a couple of questions about how has podcasting treated you? How has it been? Um, And then also... I find uh, we have a book club on here. It is once a month and it's amazing. But I find that it's difficult to like read a whole book for a podcast, which sounds terrible. But like when it's your job, like you're researching all the time, you're reading stuff all the time. It just becomes like, okay, and I hate this, but it's true. We'll be like, this book is too long. We can't read this one. Yeah. Have you found that that has sort of leaked into your personal enjoyment of reading? Mm, mm-hmm. What a good question. I, I'm, hmm. <laughs> so one of the reasons I started Feminist Book Club is because I was so tired of reading, like, research. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Like, dead old white guys writing about postmodernism, like, uh, over it. <laughs> so anything that's not that has always been fun for me. <laughs> but... To your point, yes, there are some books that kind of feel like homework, whether that's for, you know, one of our books of the month or if that's the guest that we're going to have on the podcast. I I read everybody's books that's on the podcast. So, yes, I don't know what else to say about that without (laughs) offending people. (laughs) Any trap or stop that. <laughs> not trying to do a like gotcha um, interview or anything. I'm not trying to do Okay, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <sighs> but what I will say is I I I'm a very fast reader, and so I always have at least three books going at once. And if if one, if I'm reading something for quote unquote fun, <laughs> Um, so I don't have like the author coming on or I don't have to write discussion questions for our, our book club. I am not afraid of not finishing a book. Like time is too precious. I will, I will put it if I, if it's like uh, 50 pages in and I am not feeling it, it's just not the right time for me. It's not, you know, the vibe that I'm looking for. I will shelve it. I'm, I'm unapologetic about not finishing books. I also listen to most books on audio rather than reading physical books. And Feminist Book Club does have an audiobook subscription. Nice. <laughs> and I find that being able to constantly be listening to something, I get through so many more books because I can do it, you know, while I'm walking my dog, while I'm washing dishes, while I'm doing yard work, you know. So I, 90% of the time I've got, you know, earbuds in. 
and I'm listening to a book on at least 1.5 speed. <laughs> oh, interesting. I love it when people write it and like, I only listen to it this, this, this speed. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Your audiobook is great at 1.5 speed. <laughs> yes! <Yay! laughs> That's good to know. That's how I listen to myself as well. So if not to chipmunk effect. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, you both sound great. That's a great speed for y'all. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. I like it. It is true though. It is oh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about this a bit when we are on your show, but it is one of those things that we kind of had to say to our boss, which felt strange. It felt like he was assuming this is going to be a grand slam because you've got like an audience. And it's like, yeah, but people listen to things because they can do something else uh, while they're listening to the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just different mediums. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to translate uh, necessarily, but both Samantha and I foolishly didn't realize we were going to do an audiobook, which I'm so happy about. Like it's very cool. Want to be accessible, all that stuff. But I just, it is different when you can walk your dog or cook or do something while you're, listening to a book. And I'm one of those people that I always have to be doing something with my hands. Like, so it's hard for me to sit down and read a book. I'm very like fidgety. And so what I often do then, I I got really into Uh (laughs) cross-stitching. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so I have just dozens of cross-stitching projects that I'm working on. And I will just sit on the couch, listen to my book and, and do my little do my little cross stitching because I'm 75 years old and on a, unashamed <laughs> of it. And I'm also in like, I'm calling it my cozy mystery era. Like all I want to read are like women solving murders, but like cozy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes, I, I just make me a cup of tea and, you know, reserve a bed at the old folks home for me because I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Doesn't great. sound bad to me. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, Samantha is looking for a lazier version of Cozy Game. I can... Yeah, like I'm like <laughs> trying to actually do things and having quests. No, nah, that's like, I'm good. I just I want to do something <laughs> less than that. What do I just click on things? Thank you. That's how, that's how I got, you want to talk about games. That's how I got into Animal Crossing because it's yes. just like, yeah, I just want to sit here and fish. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I literally uh, stopped building things. I was like, I don't want this to be a whole village. I want it to be by five people and I just go yes. sell fish. Like, I don't understand what this is. <laughs> Even to the point, like, I actually tried to start knitting and I did okay. I did a couple of rows and I was like, and I'm done. <laughs> that's where it went. <laughs> so I'm really good at it. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's all right to change. If you had an audiobook, you'd do a few more. If you'd do a few more rows, I'm an odd person when it comes to audiobooks. I do like I will play phone games while I'm listening to the audio, or yeah, I will same. I will work. Like I do the double whammy of that. No. So yeah, but I like your version better, except for the fact that I'm not talented enough to do the stitching. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's just following. It's just following a map. It's so easy. <laughs> this is what people tell me, and then I try it, and then it comes out a blob. I'm like, you lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get to well, rip anyway. out all the stitches and start over, which is also really satisfying. <laughs> is it okay? Because in my mind, I'm just automatically breaking the string and throwing it across the room and screaming at my failures. Fair enough. That sounds <laughs> yeah. Totally that sounds healthy. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> <laughs> Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. I could chat all day about this kind of stuff, but you did propose a serious topic for this episode, <laughs> which is something that we struggle with, uh, that we think about a lot, and that's when... You are an intersectional feminist, and that's something that's part of you, but you're still in this capitalist space that is not that, and in fact, antithetical to that. So how to be a feminist in a space that is not, uh, when we do have to, you know, have livelihoods and make money and, and survive, but how to do that? Uh, so if you can just talk about, like, your initial, because you said you've done a lot of interviews about this lately, you've been thinking about it lately, sort of the, when you sent this idea to us, what was on your mind? What what are you yeah. thinking about? Yeah. So it's something that I think about constantly is how to run a feminist business, because like you said, that feels contradictory. And it's something I'm, I, I change my mind about all the time. And this is something you all discuss in your book too. And I, I love that you talk about this fear of failure is detrimental to the feminist movement. And I've been screaming that from the top of my lungs, right? That, <laughs> you know, if I don't show up, try and fail, like if I, if I don't show up and try knowing that I could fail, like what's, that's not moving anybody forward. Right. So all I'm saying is like, this is my approach and I will likely fail, but that's okay <laughs> because we will all learn something from it. Right. So what do we, how do we participate in capitalism and critique capitalism at the same time is something I think about a lot. And the 
the short answer is capitalism is compulsory. Like there's nothing that we can do to remove ourselves um, from capitalism and still be just like a, a functioning human in the society. So that means that we have to participate in capitalism ethically. And so how do we do that? What does that look like? And so that's what I have been like, how to be an anti-capitalist business is like really hard, but how to be an ethical business that prioritizes the needs of its customers, the needs of its employees, the needs of its staff before profit. I think that is what sets feminist businesses apart um, from your run-of-the-mill, even small business. I was gonna say like Walmart, but like even there are a lot of small businesses that are just in it for the bottom line. Yeah, every decision that is made in this business comes from a place of people over profit. Like, yes, we have to pay our bills, but if by chance we can't pay our bills, <laughs> we will still pay our people. <laughs> um, and that's a real thing, right? We're in a recession and there are there are times, like right now, I was just telling you all before we started recording, like our office space was broken into four times in the last month and we lost, you know, over $5,000 worth of equipment. Like all of our festival stuff is gone. It's just, it's so frustrating. And and, and insurance won't cover it, which is really great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what is this for? Oh, I love it. So <laughs> like we started a, I, I believe deeply in mutual aid too. And so we started a GoFundMe and we're starting to like recoup some of those costs and anything left over is going to start to help us get the ball rolling on reincorporating as a feminist co-op, an employee-owned co-op. So that's, I wanted to get this business off the ground so it was stable, it was running, it had systems and processes, right? And then I wanted to step away. And so that's what we're in the process of right now is putting the business in the hands of the actual community. Like I said, my background is in feminist theory. And so I come at this not from a business standpoint. I don't have a background in, in business. I don't have a business degree. But I come from this from a theory background. And what does it look like when we put feminist theory into action? And there is a research method called feminist participatory action research. And I have tried my best to adapt that to running a business. And what that really means, it's a feedback loop, right, of, you know, we're thinking about this decision. What do you think? We want to go this direction. What do you think? This goes all the way down to like the books that we pick. I don't pick them. Our members pick them. Like I choose a theme because I'm like, well, we haven't read Native American Voices lately. So like, let's do Native American Voices Month, something along those lines. We haven't read Trans Voices. We haven't read about um, Hollywood. So like our next, our next theme is... <laughs> in the zeitgeist, right? Because they're on strike, but it's a night at the movies. So we're going to be having conversations about the strike and the labor movement, but, you know, all under the guise of reading fun Hollywood <laughs> stories. So I propose the theme. Our members suggest titles based on that theme, and then everybody votes. And that's what gets chosen as the book of the month. So yeah, learning with and from participants instead of like, teaching, like just not assuming I'm the smartest person in the room because I'm absolutely not. But, you know, bringing our community into the decision making has been really rewarding. And then and then they feel invested in it, too. So I think that's I just gave you like all of my word salad about <laughs> a 
about running a feminist business. So yes, let's 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 synthesize here, right? So um, <laughs> restructuring into a co-op, people over profit, prioritizing our customers' uh, opinions and asking for their feedback. I think and, and opening up this feedback loop. I think that are the, those are the hallmarks of how we run a feminist business and how we uh, yeah push back against and participate in capitalism in and in an anti-capitalist way. We're not in it to make a bajillion dollars. Nobody sells books to make a bajillion dollars unless your name is Jeff Bezos and he can get f***ed. Whoop. <laughs> oh, agree. <laughs> agree. <laughs> also, can we actually make money? Because I, I want to make money with the book. How do we do this, Annie? Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> not to be the bearer of bad news, but... Cool. Son of a... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, friends. <laughs> As expected, but As expected. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, thank you. I love the wrap up. That was you could tell that was definitely done. <laughs> the notes at the end of my <laughs> done a presentation. Yeah. I, I see your PhD in here, like trying to <laughs> do the defense. I love that. Not quite a PhD. I'm considered <laughs> ABD, all but dissertation. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you have it because you you worked hard. Thank you. Thank you. You, are, you, are so you can still call me Professor Powers. I will. I will. Every day. But yeah, I think that's such an interesting conversation because we've had to have a back and forth about like, yeah, we need money to live. Uh, so yep. we can't say because like we have a lot of ads and advertising, and we try to be very, very, very conscious of what we say yes and no to. And of course, sometimes we just don't have any control at all. And the then the like pushback we get because we are an absolute and we stand by the intersectional feminist we make mistakes or we may not know every information because as much as we want to be those upstanding people the fact of the matter is this is a job we have to make money I have to do things kind of the same way when I was in social work of like I'm doing some things that I really hate but I'm trying to do it in the best and more conscious way possible knowing that I'm fighting a system that's rigged against everyone, every marginalized yes. group in, in so many ways. Like, have you had a lot of conversations on how to, like, navigate that for yourself, especially when it comes to, like, advertising and all of those? Yeah, we do sell advertising and we are very picky about who we are willing to work with. And that's, I mean, and that's one of the pluses of being independent is we don't have a parent company <laughs> that we have to make money for. Like, mm -hmm. we are making money for ourselves um, to keep this ship afloat. So... We only work with women, gender nonconforming, or queer, or people of color in terms of like the books that we spotlight, the the companies that we work with for like the products that come with the books, um, because we do send out like a sticker or like a bookmark or something like small and cute. Um, and we do quarterly boxes that are full of goodies and books. And those all, all those things come from small, marginalized identity businesses including like our our web developer and our you know our podcast editor our our printer that we use for like inserts and stickers and stuff so like when we spend money on something we are doing that within our values when we take money from someone i don't care who we take money from <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as that product is aligned with us gosh and and very rarely have we worked with cis men and cis-owned businesses, cis-male-owned businesses. But I'm not going to say no to if, like, Casper Mattresses or something. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to assume they're owned by a white guy. If Casper Mattress wants to, like, give me a bajillion dollars to pitch them on our podcast, like, or, like, a free mattress, like... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
and like one for all of our friends, you know, like, right. Because you're getting me money and I feel like that's feminist. <laughs> but if it's like, if it's like uh, a company that sells only like MAGA hats, absolutely not. Like, right. I don't care if you give me a bajillion dollars. I'm not going to, you know, sell AR-15s on our podcast. But, right. but like a mattress owned by a cis white guy? Probably. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's, the, like we could be really picky, but yeah. uh, thankfully we haven't had to have run into those issues. It's the flows of money, right? It's the flow of capitalism and like redistributing it. And that's one thing also is like, we work primarily with women-owned businesses because studies have shown when you put capital in the hands of a woman-owned business, A, you will lift generations out of poverty, but B, it will also be redistributed amongst that community. So the fact that, you know, we are more likely to give our dollars, <laughs> we are 100% likely to give our dollars to small women-owned and, and minority-owned businesses um, just means that that money continues to do good in whatever community they serve instead of going into if we were to like give money to Bezos for instance that's just going into his pockets and into his like 401k does he even have a 401k probably not like he is a 401k but like you know what I mean it's it's going into like investments (laughs) which doesn't do anybody any good except for him so yeah 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 you ended up hitting on a topic which was an inside joke for us about me trying to get a damn mattress from jump like because right before oh, that's hilarious right before i started everyone <laughs> yeah. that was one of the big things is those individual mattresses and i was like i want one <laughs> like, i started the digging. best we've gotten is vibrators <laughs> we got vibrators Ooh. i'd be happy with that too <laughs> but they were woman-owned they're woman latina owned so like we had someone on who had this amazing vibrator i was like i want one we never got it though I was really hoping. Oh, no, I'm sorry. She, she, she paid for it. I didn't want to pay. I paid for it. But I got it. Yeah. It was, anyway, moving on. Um, well, that's one of the interesting things about. I think about this a lot, and sometimes I think this is kind of a petty thought, but sometimes I'm like, no, this is completely legitimate. But we sometimes get teased. Uh, Because we turn down a lot of ads. We really do. And there was this infamous study. Samantha didn't do it. But I had to fill out like this huge form where you just, it was, it took me four hours. And it was just like sponsors that you might be okay with working with. And I feel like for people who want to uphold intersectional feminism, that was a homework assignment because I literally had to look up every company, yep, what they do, where where do they donate their money, all of this stuff. And I think that people who issued it were just probably white men who didn't think like I'm not. They're like, oh, do you like this or do you not? Like the like that kind of dichotomy versus wait, what do they stand for? What do they do? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get a little grumpy because I'll hear some male colleagues of ours be like, no, no, no I just said yes to that because I like that. I'm like, well. Okay, but did you know about this? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> did you know they single-handedly caused the fires on Maui? Like, you know, right. <laughs> like the con- like we re- would have an ad that we said yes to t- two years prior and then come back and be like, oh, well, here's a new controversy and we can't use them now, whether it's like mm-hmm. strike things or union things or, or yep. new recall or you found out that the CEO was a man who did not care about people when it was branded as women-owned. Like, th- there were so many <sighs> things that came back. We we're like, 
what's happening? And then not only do we say no, and probably Annie, because Annie does this work. I love you, Annie. Uh, she's already justified why. We get another f- pushback. I'm like, are you sure? Now tell me why again. Tell us why again. Like, mm-hmm. And they're not, we love our ads people. Please don't think this because they're just doing their job. But the ma- yeah. matter is like there is extra work to what you think. And like we got another ad vetting today and I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, we know this already controversy. So we definitely probably will say, no. you know, like all these things. I already know what Annie has said in turning it down. And it was a huge company. And it's like, this is what we have to do and then justify two or three times about why we can't work with them. Yeah. And even and it sucks, too. It's like it's hard for us when we are purchasing things. So for the first couple of years, I, I live in Minneapolis. We were using Uline for our boxes. We didn't have branded boxes. We were using Uline because they are just across the state line in, in Wisconsin. I could go pick them up. Like, it was really easy. Um, I didn't have to pay for shipping. Um, and they were the cheapest on the market. Well, they're the cheapest on the market because they're a bajillion-dollar industry, and they're one of Trump's largest donors, mm-hmm. that family, the Uline family. As soon as I learned that, I was like, like now I have to, I have to pay more. <laughs> <laughs> to find something. But it ended up being great because then I found a family-owned box printing company here in in St. Paul that um, they were so, like, they were so wonderful. Right. Where they, like, I was sick and they, like, brought, they brought samples to my house just so I could, like, choose the ink color and then we got them custom-made. Like, it turned out great. Um, (laughs) Shout out to Tilsner Carton. (laughs) I feel like this is, like, an office episode of, like, business owners and you're like, they do these old things. Like, what? And they're so sweet. Right, but it's you like, help them. I, I didn't have the time at the time to do my due diligence of like vetting. It was just like where everybody got their boxes from, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, it was so frustrating. And so now, yeah. So now we don't use Uline and I suggest you not use Uline because they are a giant donor to the far right. Yeah. So there's so many conversations like that. But <laughs> at least our audiences know that we are putting in that due diligence now. Like we right. learned our lessons. <laughs> yeah. And when we get calls in, it's nice. Yeah. And if we are doing, I mean, there's only so much work and research we can do, but we're doing the best that we can. And I think that our audiences, as an audience of yours, I know I appreciate it. And I also know that y'all need to make money. You can't do this for free. (laughs) I'm sure people will be like, why? Podcasting was like that to begin with. It was, (laughs) but it's not anymore. (laughs) Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. 
Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. You know, one of the other things I think about, especially when it comes to like feminist businesses, you want to be the person who supports the small businesses, that supports the marginalized businesses as well. And for the longest time, Etsy was the to-go spot. And now you're getting all this information about, oh, they're not being treated well. So this comes to the point of like, okay, A, as a small owner of a business, where do you go? B, mm-hmm. as a consumer, how do you navigate that as well so that you're doing what you need to do to truly help those businesses? Like, how do you go through all of that? Yeah. So there are a lot of marketplaces like Etsy um, and for small businesses, too. There are a lot of like wholesale marketplaces. And one thing that I do is like there's the ability to message like the the business owner on all of these marketplaces. Etsy, we use FAIR for a lot of our wholesale goods. Um, and then I always ask them, like, how do you prefer that I make this purchase? Like, <laughs> would you like to invoice me directly? Because, yeah, I want to make sure that they're getting all of the dollars. Etsy's not going to hold on to, you know, $6,000 inevitably um, for six months or something. Like, what Etsy is doing is really frustrating for a lot of makers. So I would just go, you know, if I see something that I really like, absolutely message the creator and just say, how, what is the best way for me to support you? And, and make it as easy as possible for them. It's also, like, hard to do. And it's it's time-consuming. So they're on Etsy for a reason. And so I'm sure they're not going to be like, well, don't buy from Etsy. They would rather you buy from Etsy than not buy at all. Right. So um, if you don't have the time or energy or spoons to spend on, you know, going out of your way to message the, the artist or the creator, like, it's fine. But uh, if you do have that extra energy to spend... Please do. Essentially, like what it comes down to is I know there's a lot of small businesses and trying to take off. Essentially, they're hoping that they'll go, they're going to meet the uh, the gold mine of being vi- viral. I know that's the new thing. And that's let's just be real honest. That's rare. That's not going to happen to most small businesses as much as we would love it. I know like the small restaurants are hoping that the Keith Lee of TikTok will come through and and like just blow up their business. But that's that's a rare occasion. So for any business owner who's trying to, especially women, because we, we know that they are the least likely to get any help when it comes to advertising, any of that, how what's the best route uh, for them to have their business take off or at least to be profitable. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's excellent. That's an excellent question. Um, first off, I will say that even going viral doesn't do <laughs> We have had several of our TikTok videos, you know, get 500,000, uh, a million views. It it barely moves the needle for us. Um, we will get a lot of traffic, but it doesn't necessarily, traffic doesn't equal sales, right? We'll get a lot of followers. Followers, you can't, you can't make money on followers. So it's like converting virality is really hard for a lot of people. So there's that. But I also think that there are so many really, really cool 
organizations that are created just for small business owners insert identity here, right? If that's queer small business owners, if that's Black small business owners, and women small business owners, like, there are so many resources. And I'm going to shout out a couple of them in particular. Um, I was a part of the Tory Burch Foundation Fellowship in 2021. And they select, it's it's founded by Tory Burch. And she actually created her fashion line so she could give back. This is what I'm saying. Like, women do cool with their businesses and their money. Like, she, she likes fashion, but she was like, but I want my fashion to do something and like support other woman business owners. And so she launched the Tory Burch Foundation, which focuses solely on woman-owned small businesses and getting them up off the ground and giving them the resources that they need to succeed. And so um, every year they pick 50 woman-owned small businesses across the country. And I, Feminist Book Club was one of them in 2021. And it's a cohort of woman-owned businesses from all different industries from, you know, finance tech to restaurants to roofing companies. Um, And we all come together online to learn the basics of business, learn the ins and outs, learn new skills. But also, I think the most important thing that comes out of these kind of incubators or accelerators or fellowship programs is the connections that you make with other small businesses. Like, I have made so many close friends through these kinds of things, who will be there to support me, they're just a text message away, you know? Or we have a very active WhatsApp group that is just like, I have to mute it most of the time because it is so, (laughs) so active, which is lovely, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that women especially tend to lean on their communities or or ought to (laughs) (laughs) learn how to lean on our communities for support in all sorts of ways, whatever that means. Like, hey, does anybody have like a marketing professional? I mean, just like, just yesterday, I got an email from somebody in the Tory Burch Fellowship that was like, hey, I'm looking for somebody who specifically does, you know, CPG, consumer packaged goods, um, sales through Clavio, which is like an, an email client. And I was like, I actually have somebody <laughs> <laughs> who works with integrations with WooCommerce. Like these are very, very specific asks. And it's like, oh, wait, there's somebody in this group that knows exactly what you need and like can make that introduction. So it's just a way to like to network and to like grow your connections. So you have you have those resources when you need them. So yeah, the Tory Burch Foundation has been fantastic, um, the connections that I've made there, but also there are local organizations like this too. So I'm also part of um, Lunar Startups, uh, which is just Minnesota-based, and they work with underestimated and underrepresented founders. So they specifically work with people of color, women, and queer folks. So I was a part of that during the pandemic. We started March like 3rd of 2020 in person in St. Paul and then the world shut down and we all <laughs> moved to Zoom crying and it was great. Like we, were, <laughs> we were all in the trenches together. At least like 15, you know, small business owners in the Twin Cities. We're like, what do we do? Everything sucks. Um, so I was so glad to have that resource because I don't know what I would have done otherwise. So just like building these communities is so necessary for small feminist business owners, because we cannot do this in a vacuum. We require, that's one thing that we learned in the pandemic, or we didn't learn in the pandemic that we should have learned, was like, 
we need to take care of the community's needs in order to take care of our own needs. And in, until we take care of the community around us, whatever, you know, whatever that means, however you define community, like we cannot succeed full stop. So what is it? Yeah. How do we take care of everybody's needs in order to take care of our own needs? I think Robin Wall Kimmerer said it best in Braiding Sweetgrass. It's my favorite, one of my favorite lines of any book ever. She says that all flourishing is mutual. Like we cannot flourish until we are in all of it together flourishing. There's no individual flourishing. I like that. Mm-hmm. And it's true the the pandemic really showcased <laughs> for like small businesses. It started that conversation of like, oh, well, we've been kind of pushing this to the side, ignoring this for so long. And now we have, we're trying to have some conversations about it, some more healthy or helpful than others. Um, but there was that aspect I did want to touch on. And I'm hoping that this will like give you some room to really rant because uh, it's something that bothers me uh, is a lot of times Samantha kind of alluded to it uh, because we're feminist podcasts, we're women, moms in the name. We get a lot of um, ad requests from businesses that are pretending to be feminist or any any like intersection with it, like queer, like during Black History Month, all of this happens. And it's just fa- like I've multiple times been like, OK, but you're saying you're donating this. What are you donating it to? And then I never mm-hmm. hear anything again. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are your thoughts on the people who are trying to use this feminist business model to pretend and to cash in, but are actually like the most superficial things? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Let me let, let me get out my soapbox. Um I, you're alluding to incredibly performative feminism, and it is most likely white feminism. Um, if we're going to keep it in the, in the realm of, of feminist, we get so many, so many <laughs> book pitches in particular that are like, unleash the goddess within, or like, your warrior woman says roar, or like, boss babe, how to start your girl boss empire. And it's like, none of those things are feminist. That is so disgusting. Those are so neoliberal capitalist junk can we get to the second and third layer of this because your surface layer white feminism is i'm allergic to it like please please step away (laughs) who yeah it makes me very angry and 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 but the thing is like i just simply say like thank you so much this does not align we are really trying to amplify the voices of folks on the margins (laughs) not let's be honest, like rich, white, blonde, yoga, instructing, green smoothie drinking, privileged women. And and if you are that, I'm so glad that you are here because you need to, you need this kind of information in your life. This, the stuff that, stuff that stuff mom never told you, (laughs) you know, covers is like, that's one way to broaden your, your horizons. And, and yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of, companies out there and organizations out there that just give lip service to whatever is in the zeitgeist, right? That they're raising money or they donate to, you know, we say social justice organizations. We say we donate to social justice organizations every month and we don't name what they are publicly because (laughs) 
<laughs> for a number of reasons, because we're not marketing on that. Like we're not using that as a marketing tool. And so our members know where the money is going. But also I'm a strong believer. I grew up Catholic. <laughs> this is where I wanted to go. I grew up Catholic and um, like social justice Catholic, though, like the the real the real Catholic. <laughs> I'm pissing everybody off. We're going to get some emails. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. But not like, but not, not Catholic where it's like anti-abortion Catholic, but, but like feed the, feed the hungry and clothe the naked Catholic is right, like right. how I grew up. Um, and one of the things that really stuck with me from Catholic school is when there's a, there's a, a verse in the Bible and don't ask me what part of the Bible. I have no clue at this point. Um, but there's a verse where it says, when you pray, go into a closet and pray in solitude. Nobody needs to know that you're praying. Like you're not praying for everybody's brownie points. That's performative. And the same thing goes with our, our social justice and our activism. Like, yes, we need to be out marching. Yes, we need to use our privilege for good. Those of us who have privilege. Yes, we need to put our bodies on the lines, especially white bodies on the lines in front of people of color. Like, yes, those are things we need to be doing. And at the same time, your entire Facebook feed doesn't need to know that you just donated $50 to Planned Parenthood. That's Who is that doing? That's just making you feel good. And so I think a lot of businesses think that, you know, saying that they're going to donate X, Y, and Z is just like, it's just lip service. It's just a marketing ploy. And it's really frustrating for me to see as a company who has donated tens of thousands of dollars of our profit to social justice organizations across the world, but we don't use it. We're we're doing it in our closet and praying. <laughs> God, I am so sorry. And this is how I get canceled. No. <laughs> <laughs> Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank. Brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee, 
Sounds perfect. It is so frustrating. And I can't, we can't go into this because it'll become a whole railroad, going off the railroad situation. But it's like, I hate that I'm into what you're doing. I'm into what you're saying. And I ask for any details and then none come forth. And then if they do, if you're like, I don't know, Bud Light, and you do this thing, (laughs) and then they freak out and backtrack immediately. Like, it's like illuminating because it tells me you literally have never thought about what it must be like to be a trans person in this case Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all of the backlash that might be. But you thought it would be cool to cash in. Like, it's like uninformed it's like not even it's malicious but it's almost more uninformed than malicious (laughs) first off that woman in particular dylan who just got brutally attacked online because she got bud light sent to her like that's just my heart goes out to her what i would prefer bud light anheuser-busch am imbev who owns like every major beer company in this country and beyond what i would prefer to see them do is have trans folks on their board of directors. You know, like, I don't give a if they are giving a can of beer to Dylan on TikTok. What I give a about is if you are including their voices in decision-making rooms. Like, trans folks need to be in the room where it happens, you know? Like, (laughs) it's not just, yeah, that, that, that is the definition of performative. If they had had a trans person in their, like, marketing the influencer outreach division, like that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of the epitome of like the privilege that yeah. people don't realize there is. So the fact that Anheuser-Busch, they had a little bit of backlash. All they did was stay silent, literally allowing this yep. woman to take all of the threats and harassment yep. and being like, yep, oh, well, that didn't work. That didn't pay. Well, it did partially pay out for a minute because there were supporters for a second. And then their silence and apology shows not only their uh, blindness, ignorance, and harmful behavior in everything that they just did without, again, talking to the right community. Who who did they talk to? They're like, this person's a TikTok famous. Let's send a beer, which we already know all the mess on that end. We're not going to talk mm-hmm. about. But that kind of comes back to this whole conversation of like, who is this for? Why are mm-hmm. you doing this? And what does this do? And then when we look at who maybe a woman, and this is the whole conversation Annie and I've had plenty of times, women supporting women. But what are these women actually doing? And what are they doing that is good for other women and other marginalized folks? So we have to backtrack. Like, no, it can't just be simply this and this. There's a lot of women-owned businesses. Like, I think about this often because, again, coming back to Etsy, because I try to be as whatever. But I'm like, yeah, but this person, oh, she's got she's got some things on here that I do not want to support. She is anti-abortion. She is all these things. And I'm like, I can't support that. I have to dig in to see who she's selling to or someone who has no standards. And I get to that point of like, yeah, you have to make a business. I get it. But you're willing to put mega stuff Mm -hmm. onto your stuff and then sell it. And then also Black Lives Matter. That doesn't work. Yeah, there was that. That reminds me, like when we were doing um, what about when I was purchasing for one of our boxes once, there was a product that I thought was so cute and it came in all these different designs. And I was like, ooh, so close to purchasing. And then I kept going and scrolling and I was like, uh, uh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> when you oh, go to the no. review, <laughs> when you go to the reviews and you see who she's, oh, you're like, ma'am, <laughs> oh, no, we, we do can't. not, 
We're in Minneapolis. We are not supporting somebody who has Blue Lives Matter on there. Right. <laughs> See, <there's>, <laughs> that's the other part to that. It's like, we have to hold our own accountable as well. And I say this as yes. an Asian woman who all this rhetoric and very, very like white supremacist rhetoric that I'm like, I do not support this. I do not support them just because they are an Asian woman. Like we have yes. to have that conversation of like that fine line of just because it seems okay because on the outside, this is a person of color. She's an Asian woman. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Even queer people, you're like, oh, they're queer. Oh, but they're, they are staunchly still somehow Republican. Like I don't, I don't get this, but I have to know that this is not necessarily just supporting. Like that's right. You have to dig deeper. Holes come in every shade, race and, and, you know, color. Like everybody can, has the potential to be a total hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's how I live. Everybody's probably an <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i like to think that i i want to support you know first and foremost intersectional progressive businesses just personally but yeah and if and if that's not available a minority-owned business a woman-owned business is better than again is better than amazon <laughs> but yes being mindful of like What's that person likely going to do and support with their dollars is really important to me. Yeah. And I do think you you said something earlier that I hadn't really thought about it before, but I often complain about this extra work we have to do. And I complain like it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I could just be like, oh, yeah, I like that thing. And that's fine. But you're right. It does. I have heard from friends who have told me, like, I like that I know that you do that. It makes me feel better. And that's not to say we've made mistakes. We've said yes to things that later turned out to be terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And we try to learn from that and be like, okay, not not that one again. Because <laughs> a lot of times in our company, they'll be like, you said yes to it once. Surely, yes, again. No, not always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it, it is like, it is a lot of work. And I don't think everyone has the time to do it. Yes. Um, or even the emotional because we were talking about this the other day like women typically or marginalized people typically are more drained from what from the patriarchy and from white supremacy and all this stuff what's happening in the world yes so maybe you don't have the time to vet uh certain things so i do think that is a value i think that's something i'm glad that you said that i'm gonna I, you put a more positive spin on this whole thing for me <laughs> And it comes from a place of privilege, right? Mm -hmm. That we, I in particular, have the time to do this research Mm -hmm. and can afford it. And that's what's really, I I, I don't want to discount the privilege that I hold to be really mindful as as an agent of capitalism. Because it's not, not everybody has this privilege. Not everybody can afford to shop at, you know, small mom and pop grocery stores because they are more expensive. Um, If Amazon and Walmart are what you can budget for, I am fully supportive of that. You know, that is where you are in in your life, in the society. The society sucks. Like, don't feel bad if if that's where you are. Please don't feel bad. Shame is not a tool of social justice, right? Like, that's not going to help anybody for me to say like, ew, you're shopping at Walmart. Hell yeah. Like some, that's some, <laughs> some people have to. And that's okay. 
because I do have a little bit more time and resources, I don't need to, but I am glad that it exists for the people who need it. Um, And that same goes for every institution, right? That there are institutions that exist, there are stores that exist for the people who need it, and I'm glad they exist. Do I wish... (laughs) Do I wish they had more ethical practices? Absolutely. But that's something I can do with my resources and my privilege is to push back and to call, make the phone calls and to, you know, say and, and demand better of these companies so that they can continue to support underprivileged communities. Yes, this is true. I think about this every time uh, voting comes up, which, as you probably have heard, is rough in Georgia, is that like I don't know, I don't know how people who have kids who work many jobs have the time to vote, but also have the time to research who to vote for. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. it'll be like, I can't find information about any of this. So I'm like, I guess mm-hmm. this guy, I don't know. So that is a big conversation of, it's frustrating because it's like the Walmarts of the world are playing a part in keeping us in this situation, but also they are important <laughs> because we are in the yeah. situation. It's a... It's frustrating, but yeah, I mean, it it is, especially, you know, we're in a city, but when I was in the small town, it's the only game in town. That was like, that was it. Exactly. Same. Yeah. I grew up in Northern Indiana and it's like, you got your groceries at Walmart. You bought your, you know, incidentals on Amazon. It's just what you do. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a Barnes and Noble, like that's that was the bookstore. <laughs> yes, and you go hang out there, and you were cool as yep. a kid. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You get your Starbucks. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and that's fine. It's fine because that's that's what is available, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what is in a budget. And and yeah, I'm never gonna be here to shame somebody for doing what they need to do to get by. Yes. Well. Thank you so much, Renee, for coming on here. This has been a delight. You are a friend, officially. Mm-hmm. Yes. We could talk forever, but I suppose we should. Seriously. <laughs> just sign off for this one. But let's hang out and just complain. I feel like I'm in a complaining mood, <laughs> uh, which is rare for me. I love so it. this will be That's fun. That's a hobby that I have. <laughs> complaining. That's yes. one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, where can the good listeners find you? The best place to go is feministbookclub.com. We're on Instagram at Your Feminist Book Club because Feminist Book Club is taken on Instagram. Um, but Feminist Book Club is available on TikTok. So you can find us Feminist Book Club on TikTok. And uh, yeah, everything everything's on our website, though. That's the best the best place to go. Yes. And, and you have show notes, which I am very jealous of. Um, <laughs> uh, they're not extensive, but they are there. They're more than what we have. <laughs> so I'm very jealous. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Go check it out, listeners. It's amazing. Also, we will be on the show. Uh, we'll yes. see how it goes. Yes. Um, in the meantime, if you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Steph Never Told You. We have a Tee Public store. You can buy merch on there. Also, we have a book coming out. Uh, you can pre-order it at stephyoushouldreadbooks.com. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff on Never Told You's production by iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.